0: Some intangibles that those projections
1: failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network.
0: All right, what's going on? It's episode 19, Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. That's Joe Shasky. I'm Mark Willard. And here come the Giants with a record of six games over 500. Um, but, and this is after the Tiger series, before the White Sox. I mean, we can't beat around the bush right now. Joe, like, <laughs> it's a team with a winning record, but it's disappointing.
1: hundred It's totally
0: disappointing, and I'm glad that some of the players are finally speaking to it. Alex Wood kind of struck the chord after the game yesterday and said, like we need
1: to be better. We, we need We need. to step up and we need to be stronger. And deflating was the word that I was going to choose in terms of like, they just feasted on all these low-level teams last year. I mean, we know what the record was against the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, like these lower tier teams. And they got the Reds on the schedule. And I'm thinking, yeah, let's pounce. And then they don't. And then you get Detroit for a couple of games. Yeah, let's pounce. And then they don't. I mean, they, they didn't lose every one of the games, but these are the ones where like you look back at last year and you say to myself, all right, they just kept winning series after series after series after series. And this year they win a series and then they take a step back and then they don't look good and they split a series and then they lose the next one. It's just, they they haven't been able to go on a roll here. Sometimes I feel like
0: we overthink it because when you sweep the Dodgers a few weeks ago, um, we know about the Atlanta series. They lost three or four, but my gosh, it was a playoff, a playoff atmosphere and very, very tight. Uh, competitive baseball games. I don't worry about the Giants showing up against good teams. Therefore, I don't freak out if they're not winning all the games against the bad teams. But it's a fair point. You know, last year their record in many ways was built on the backs of the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. And it's not as dominant of a team this year. Uh, There's no doubt about it. But one of the little kind of quirks of it is, I think, now starting to be challenged. Last year, it worked so well. You know, you had a Lamont Wade and an Austin Slater split a spot. And there were people that said, man, Lamont Wade, he's good. Why are we pinch hitting for him in the fourth inning? But Lamont also had these stats that showed you he's not going to hit against the left-hander. Maybe he'll get that chance someday, but not right now. This year, this is much less defined. Jock Peterson is going to be an all-star. He is probably going to be an all-star starter. And his numbers against left-handed pitching are not that bad. Mm -hmm. But the Giants are still doing what they do, which is not surprising. But, for example, he gets pinch hit for in the sixth inning of the game yesterday. You're taking essentially your best hitter out for somebody who's going to come in with a similar average in that situation in Austin Slater. And for fans that are begging for a star, and this is the closest thing we yeah. get to it, when you're yanking them out of the game and the numbers don't necessarily back it up – Oh, that's a tough thing to pitch to your fans.
1: Well, And and let's be fair. Like, take a step back. This is not a Giants exclusive issue. This is a baseball issue. I watched Cody Bellinger win NLCS MVP and then not play in game one and game two for the Dodgers against the Red Sox because the analytics tell you, hey, you know, he doesn't do well against lefties or whatever the justification was in that given moment. So this is not exclusive to the Giants. I guess where I get frustrated and it reminds me kind of like the housing market. In the Bay Area We've got all this Top tier talent The superstars If you will They play every day Everybody else, the low-income housing that's out there, okay, everybody else is going to be platooned, but yet there's no middle ground. Like, there's none. I feel like there is just no middle ground, and again, whether we're, we're talking about the second baseman uh, for the Miami Marlins, whose name's of uh, Jazz Chisholm, um, Chisholm, getting frustrated. He said, it basically, how am I supposed to get better against left-handed hitting, uh, pitching, when I never face it? Right? And he's not the only one. I feel like a lot of people are feeling that way. Jock, in particular, the other day, he's like the only dude who could step into one right now why are we taking them out of the game like i get it that's what the data says but then on the other hand you're going with the gut to keep alex wood in there an extra inning so it's just i'm not like losing my mind i'm just more throwing my hands up like what are we doing
0: well yeah i think that's that's part of it is you want it to be consistent across the board uh even if it frustrates you at times it's got to make sense because if you go off the board and it doesn't work out alex wood gives up a home run then we're going to have questions and those are fair questions and more on that in a little bit. But yeah. I, I want to share this with you with John, because I think this is a big part of it. First off, there's something you pointed out earlier in the week and we both, we both played it on our shows. Mm-hmm. And it was that Peter Goober comment about being an entertainment entity. Yeah. And, and, and that's how you think about your fans. Yes. You're not going to make moves because the fans want you to necessarily, but you never, ever, ever forget that you are an entertainment entity. That's, that's who you are. And so, yes, there's winning, but there's also pulling in the consumer and getting them emotionally attached to the outcome and to the stories of your team and your games. Okay, so there's one premise. Here's number two. We've been spending all year saying, who is it on the Giants that connects with anyone? Yeah. How have we? Who? Give me. Who do I want a jersey for? Joe, I had a really one of the more interesting experiences I've ever had at the ballpark this week, and it was the game that they won over the Tigers, four to three. Okay. Uh, and that's important to point out because I have not attended a loss that this year. And so I want you're, you're
1: the guy. You're yeah, undefeated. So I,
0: when we're there. Uh, we need to platoon you a little more then. <laughs> <laughs> But I I, I took my boys out to the bleachers, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's where Jock is playing out there in left field. And definitely there was was a lot of drinking going on around me. So these people had been very, very encouraged. But I'm not going to let anyone tell me anymore that Jock Peterson has not connected with the fans (laughs) because he has. And I don't think this was just my section. Here's what I saw. I saw Jock in between pitches turn and look out to left field after every pitch. Hmm. And he stares at you. He does this. He looks up in the crowd. It's almost like he's looking for somebody to yell his name. And then they do. And, <laughs> then, he give, and then he gives him this little hang loose thing. And I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. He did it 30 times in, in the game. Really? I saw three people run down to the front of the fence, rip their hats off and show their dyed blonde Yum. hair that they had done for jock peterson and i'm going this dude is the happy gilmore of baseball <laughs> because he's the opposite of gabe kapler look at the way he's built yes yes right his hat is like this It's pretty he's good got dyed blonde hair he, he, he looks relatable he looks like a beer league softball player um he's putting up the numbers he's playing like an all-star i know you're wondering how long it's going to take me before i put the hat back you like. look like
1: cc sabathia
0: so there's something going on there yes and if the platoon says yank jock the bottom line is this you are lessening your entertainment product if you do that and that's fine i'm there for the win more than anything else but this dude is connected with fans and that better matter to the Giants as a business Mm. and
1: entertainment entity. You know, I I call this the the wife rule, right? So my wife, there's certain people she knows. If I brought up Kelly Oubre Jr. to my wife, she'd be like, who? Like, are you kidding me? I have no idea. I don't care. You say Draymond? She's like, I love Draymond because it's the the antics and the stuff, and she loves the way he plays. She now knows who Jock Peterson is because of Slapgate. That's number one. Then number two, every time he comes to the plate, she goes, he's kind of goofy looking. And she just – she's drawn to that. She loved Panda. She loved Benji Molina. There are certain players that maybe aren't superstars but that are compelling characters, and he fits the mold. Here's the other part. This is the baseball element for me because if the casual, like my wife, if she leans forward when he's hitting, that to me means something. Second part is he's one of the dudes that scares you. Like I'm a big believer in if I'm in the other dugout and I'm Detroit – and you take out jock peterson i'm sorry i don't care what the splits are right now i'm going thank you for taking out jock right now because he's red hot in terms of what he's done this year so there's a baseball element and an entertainment element
0: yeah there's no doubt and by the way the giants have been forced to buck the trend um, as far as the platoons a lot uh, due to the fact that they've had injuries and they've got to put people in there Let's go back to the game I attended, first game of the Tiger series. Who was the starting pitcher for the Tigers? The lefty. I know. And Jock Peterson was in left field. I know. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. That, that, I guarantee you that wasn't <laughs> the plan to begin with. You, you did not acquire him and mm-hmm. think that's our starting left fielder against left-handers. And what did he do in the first inning? He grounded a double into left field right down Damn. the line. Um, it wasn't a great game for him, but it was a good one. Um, he, you know, he played fine. He even made a couple of nice plays out in left field. So, um, and, and to your point, I love uh, the the wife rule. By the way, uh, first off, you're lucky if your girl is noticing Jock Peterson and not Gabe Kapler. Let oh, me just say yeah. that for because my girl notices Gabe Kapler. She notices Jock Peterson too, but not in the same way. She's yeah. she's like she's like I don't.
1: She likes care. the hefty ones, like Draymond, because she's always like, "Ooh, is he chubby Draymond or skinny Draymond?" And yeah. when she sees Jock, she goes, "He looks like a baseball player." Like that's what she kept saying. Yeah. And now the Gabe Kapler thing's funny. Skinny legs is what she calls him. Skinny legs. He skinny works legs? out everywhere, but the legs are skinny, especially when he wears the knee-high socks. Hey, your girl's different. Your girl <laughs> different. She's looking at Gabe Kapler's legs
0: and and Jock Peterson. Your girl's different because 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 <laughs> my girl's like, I like Gabe Kapler, and you guys all like Jock Peterson because uh, he looks like all of you look.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> but before yeah. we get going, I think this is a really interesting topic. Like, one of the things that I've, I've struggled with, we're, we talk about this team every day, you and me, whether it's on this podcast, on the radio at 95.7 The Game. And I think – more than anything, I'm so frustrated because I know, this is the other thing, I know reinforcements are like a year away. I'm looking and I'm saying to myself, like, if you're just paying attention to the minor leagues a little bit, and most people aren't, but I am. Hunter Bishop's having, like, the best two weeks that he's had since the Giants acquired him. He's looking healthy. Yes, it's single leg. Okay, I understand that, but they're promoting all these pitchers and all these hitters and it seems like the minor leagues is really starting to bubble right now when the, when the talent comes up. No bar it's not looking great. No, Elliot Ramos isn't. But all these other guys in the lower levels are starting to make that jump from single to double A, double to triple A. And so I know I'm losing my mind about this guy and that guy at the big league club. I swear if they could just float here, just float and try to stay above 500. I know the reinforcements are coming, but I'm probably wired different than the casuals.
0: Yeah, I, I I get that, and and I, I it's why I made the point last week that I did. Uh, if there is any whatever the opposite of a a silver lining is, the 107 wins last year, it it did mess one thing up because if you go back to our conversation with Farhan and he talked about the order of things and that the most important thing is your homegrown core, yeah. and then after that we're gonna sprinkle in pieces that we think work. And then it's time to pounce with some big money and a big name. If, if it's available, if that's mm. there for you to go do it. Well, the problem with that is what you just said, the homegrown crew is not ready. No. Whatever that core is going to be. I mean, last year you still had the old homegrown crew, mm-hmm. Posey and the Brandons this year. You've got kind of the Brandons, <laughs> right? They're hurt and all, yeah. all of this. And they're looking like the old guys that they are. So you're still missing that homegrown core, and in the process of build the farm system, then get a homegrown core, then we've got our sprinkle players, and then pounce. Whatever that process was going to take in year one of really doing it, the Giants went out and won 107 games. Completely These over. Pri- I mean, there was no way that that was what yeah. anyone thought was going to happen, and then that changed the way the fans viewed it, and they went, "Oh, we're here already." go pounce, go get big name while the team is sitting there going, well, well, wait a minute, we don't have any roster spots. We've got to let Evan Longoria retire or whatever first before we can do all that or – it just becomes a big,
1: messy roster crunch. And there's no doubt. And I, I think that the average Giants fan, the sky is falling. I don't know anybody out there. Why is Tommy LaStella DHing? Look, it drives me nuts, too. But there are some interesting stories in development. The Rodon acquisition, okay? And they've done this. Look, as bad as Alex Wood is, as bad as uh, Di has been this year, it's infinitely worse than Wood. They have nailed two free agent pitchers in back-to-back years, essentially. Gosman and Rodon. They can find those guys. Now, obviously, you'd like to have a couple of homegrown arms come in, and Logan Webb seems to be one of them. Hopefully, Harrison is one of those guys eventually. But I know this guy can find that top-end good value for a rotation. The back-end, they're just going to pull flyers, and I think health determines a lot of those things. But like I know they can piece together the right team. It's just all of the big pillars of this team aren't here yet because those are the young guys they've been cultivating for the last two years in the minors. And it's just frustrating because I'm impatient. I know most people are. And you see Tommy LaSella bat in DH and you see, you know, Donnie Walton at second base, and you are like, what the hell are we doing here?
0: Right. Right. It's, it is tough, especially since uh, as national leaguers, We've never done the DH before. Exactly. We've always watched it in the American League. Oh, well, it should be David Ortiz,
1: Mark. Yeah, it's usually someone who
0: weighs 265 pounds exactly. and he's trying to hit the ball 400 feet. And the Giants are sending out someone when they're like, "Watch how well he protects the plate with two strikes." It's amazing. They Watch how anything off. He he's incredible. Off. You're like that. That I know. <laughs> how I exciting! Know. I know. <laughs> All right, it's garlic fries and baseball, guys. We want to make sure you know. Uh, that you are uh, you you are available uh, to us twice a week, and we're available to you twice a week. A better way to say it: uh, two episodes a week. Garlic fries and baseball, guys. Make sure you're subscribed. All things Giants through the eyes and minds of the fans. And oh, by the way, our first mailbag episode coming up at the end of the White Sox series. So the DMs are open on at Garlic Fry Guys. My DMs: Mark underscore T underscore Willard. Joe Shasky as well. Get the DMs. Any question that you send to those spots, we will answer the best ones coming up in episode number 20. Okay. Next thing on the uh, the analytics of Game Kappler. and you already brought it up once. This to me is a real pickle that we've put Gabe in, and I want to see if we can figure it out. I, I think I know where I lean on this just based on the results. But Gabe is in a tough spot. You mentioned – Alex Wood, Alex Wood talks him in to staying in the game and he coughs up a two run homer that ends up losing a game for the giants three to two to the Detroit Tigers earlier this year, just a few weeks ago, Logan Webb probably tried to talk Gabe Kapler into staying and uh, Gabe wasn't having it, took him out of the game. It became a thing. Logan was really good about it. He's like, look, we disagree sometimes it's no big deal, but He made clear that he did disagree. Then week later, Logan talks Gabe into staying in the game. It works as yes, he got out of a jam, but he only got out of the jam because Luis Gonzalez threw someone out at home plate Mm -hmm. from right field. So the data would suggest to me third time through the order, your pitcher is not that good anymore.
1: Unless he's an ace,
0: unless he's an ace and is Logan an ace. Yeah, we can make that case. He's not Verlander. He's not Scherzer. Not yet. He's not that kind of guy. But third time through the order, you usually got to get that guy out of there. Gabe is stuck. The data says get him out, but you also need to face those pitchers in the clubhouse and you want to have their back. So sometimes, okay, fine. You want to lobby for another few innings or another couple outs? I'm going to let you go here. But now he's been burned once, almost burned twice um, by making that move. I think he needs to stick to his guns, his analytics, if you will, Mm -hmm. and get those pitchers out of there. But
1: how do you face the guys in the clubhouse when that's your decision every time? It's tough. I think it's really tough. it's easier said than done. And it's easier for me to critique a move that becomes a mistake, you know, than to praise the smart move that everyone kind of overlooks when something good happens. Here, here's where I want to dig a little deeper. The, the word analytics triggers us. Just all of us. I don't care who you are. If you said research, okay, or trends instead of analytics, I think we would view the word differently. I really do. I mean, it's it's, it's incredible. But there's outliers for a reason because those exist. Outliers happen all the time, or statistical anomalies, or whatever you want to call them. Specifically on keeping a guy in that long, I understand looking over at your bullpen, going, yeah, we used a bunch of arms the last week or so. No, maybe I'm going to let my guy ride it out. But in that game. They just had Monday off. Everybody had the day off. And so I don't really know what the backstory might have been on why you would want to go with it. And for Alex Wood, I'm trying to keep the positive momentum going. You gave me a five good innings. Let's let's end it on a good note. You know, hitting a bunch of jumpers in the gym. Let me hit one and walk out the gym on a make as opposed to a miss. So – I don't know. This is a tough one for me, but I understand what you're saying. Looking the guys in the eyes, that's something we just overlook myself included. Like it, it, there is a human element to this and dealing with the emotions of someone wanting to go a little longer or feeling like they have more in the tank. Like Lincecum persuading Bochi to go 147 for that. No, no, you know, nobody second guesses it, but Lincecum's arm never really recovered. Right, right. Well, here's what I would say about it. And this is
0: the, the, the thing that sometimes is politically, incorrect within businesses. Everybody wants to be treated the same. Well, wait a minute. You did that with that employee. You? How come you don't do that with this employee? Well, here's the bottom line in the world because that employee has achieved more than you have yeah. and therefore they're going to get more slack. So here's what I would say to Gabe. If Logan Webb asks for another out or if Carlos Rodon asks for another out, I am going to be more open to that than if Alex Wood yes. or Anthony Di Sclafani Absolutely. asked for another out because Rodon and Webb might be on the all-star team. Mm-hmm. And so, Alex, you can be mad at me all you want, but your reputation precedes you. Yeah. You get to the fifth, sixth, or seventh mm-hmm. inning, and it blows up, and it blows up fast. So, like, if that's who you are, and that's who you've shown me you are, then I'm sorry. You don't get the benefit of the doubt. Until you show me otherwise. Now, I know the pitcher response would be, how am I going to show you yeah. if you never give me the chance? Well, I would say you're going to have to a number of times go through these lineups in ways where you, you're you going to have to almost be
1: perfect. You can't well, I, put two runners on and then ask for the, li- the, for the leeway to get out of it. Well, and again, I would listen to the argument if they were like depleted bullpen, we don't know what's going to, there's two days off this week. That might not ever happen the rest of the year. Right. You know what I mean? Like Monday and Thursday, are you kidding me? Like you have both those days off. So it gave them an opportunity. If they needed to go to the bullpen one inning earlier, look, this is the week to do it. You know what I mean? So I, I hear everything you're saying. Cause look, you can't treat everyone the same. And I don't care if it's your children. I don't care if it's family members. It's about credits and demerits, right? Anything you do in life. And so I don't think he had built up the equity to be able to do that. But look, I think we're hyper-focused on, on the pitching, and that's a big problem right now. It's not just Webb. I mean, it's – or excuse me, it's not just Wood. It is the lack of not having a four and a five starter right now. It's crippling them, I feel like, emotionally.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I also think that uh, we have officially, as of this week – We have reached the time where the urgency changes. Mm. If you lobby for an extra out Mm. and it's game 18. I agree. Okay. Let's use this as an opportunity for me, the manager to build some credibility with you. Well, now it's July. It's about to be July. You're about at the halfway mark of the season. We're approaching game 81 here pretty quick. And. You've shown you're a good team, but not a great team. And you're not a team that's definitely going to be in the playoffs if you don't start injecting urgency. And you inject urgency, unfortunately, by if it is the sixth inning or later and Alex Wood has back-to-back bad at-bats.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you. I'm with you. That's it. I'm sorry.
0: And that is your well-earned reputation Mm -hmm. and so if you get two runners on I'd almost do it as a rule if I were Gabe Kapler I mean you're lucky enough if Alex Wood even gets you to the sixth inning but if he's going to get you to the sixth and the seventh and you get two men on and I know there was you know I know there was a double play and and like boy and not a great hitter coming up you had a chance to get out of it but two runners in an inning sixth or seventh and you're Alex Wood I'd be
1: real hesitant not to get to the bullpen right then. I'm on the top step, you know, ready to go. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The Tuesday night, I believe it was, Leon had, you know, runners all over the place. And it just felt like to me, he was a step slow in yanking them out of that game. And I understand being reluctant to go to Camilo Duvall. Hey, he hasn't had, how many four out saves has he had in his entire career? Not many. I don't think he's had any, to be quite frank, in those situations. So I understand, hey, let's be a little patient with the guy. Leon didn't have it like he, he looked good early and then as the inning kept going, you're like, okay, get, get him out of here. Get him out of here. I think this is more just baseball in general. There are some years you are on it as a manager and you have the Midas touch Kapler last year Midas touch with the bullpen, even though they blew a lot of games, which is kind of crazy, but it felt like he went to the right guy in the right situations based on numbers. I was with him in lockstep this year, whether it's guys not performing, whether it's keeping a guy out there one pitch or one batter too long, yanking a guy's sl- Slightly early, he's just a little off, and it's not the end of the world. Well, and let's also call it what it is. Uh, guy's any manager in
0: baseball, the players need to make him look good. You can make any move you 100%. want, and if you give up a home run, you're gonna be like, I can't believe the manager did that. Well, you're the one who threw the
1: pitch. Yeah. Right. So Jake McGee, look at the Jake McGee. Giants fans are losing their minds. I go, he didn't give up a run for nine straight outings. And then he blows the game the other day. It's like, Hey, that happens. He was great. Nine out of 10 times. Like what, what? He didn't give up one run since coming back from the aisle until that moment.
0: You mentioned, Leon, you know, again, I was at the game. He had no control. It wasn't exactly. even a matter of not pitching well. He couldn't throw strikes consistently. <laughs> and how is a manager going to know if a pitcher's going to – you're right? Like, oh, he didn't have it tonight. Like, how the hell was I supposed to know that? You make the right move and, and get the wrong results. So, to me, that's, that's the payback the players can give the manager. If the manager's going to have your back and he's going to let you stay out there a little bit better, well, then you – you better A, either succeed or shush next time he comes out and pulls you out of there because it it, it always is going to come down to the players making the plays. And, And so I have never, with Gabe Kapler, I'm not saying he makes the right move every time. Of course, no one does. And there have been plenty of times where I've questioned it. But I've never looked at Gabe Kapler from like the umbrella view from ten thousand feet, and said what I do hear a lot of people say, which is he's terrible at managing a pitching staff. Yeah, he doesn't know what to yes, he does. Yes, he does. His moves. Not only do they usually make sense, they're literally, I mean, is there anyone in the world who probably has more background info when they make a move more, like, more no, research, we can explain anything. It's yeah. not always going to work. Yeah. They can explain anything and it's on the players to make those decisions work. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Mark. I mean, look, my, my dad says it very succinctly make a play. <laughs> I mean, you go out there, bullshit to you, make a play. If you're a pitcher, those strikes. I mean, it's very simple to me. And when they do, you look like a well-oiled machine. When guys aren't playing defense, everyone looks at the manager. It's like, is he the one with the glove in his hand? Is he the one moving laterally to his left? Is he the one not making uh, cutoff throws? Is he the guy who's, you know, I don't know, floating back on a ball, like, like Austin Slater who's in there for his defense. I don't know how you blame the manager on some of these basic player execution deals. Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: last year it was like, okay, we need a right-handed pinch hitter, and here comes Ruff or Slater or Solano. And how often did they hit a home run in yeah. the eighth inning where you're like, they flipped a game, mm-hmm. like this guy's incredible. Well, this mm-hmm. year they're grounding out. Yeah, and it's yeah. the same decision. It's the same guy making the same decision, and uh, and 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 a year later he's being ripped for it. Yeah, yeah. So. I, You know, I, I, I get it. Um, I get the fan frustration, but that magic from last year has just not been there.
1: No, it hasn't. And I want to rat-a-tat-tat. I got a couple of players uh, that I want to ask you some questions about. I know you've probably got some stuff as well, but there's a couple of guys I'm a little worried about right now. Okay. You ready? Go for it. All right, let's do it. Lamont Wade Jr. He just returned. Uh, we've been waiting and dying and praying for anything to come back. Do you think that maybe he just turned back into a pumpkin and the glass slipper was just a <laughs> one-year thing? Like I'm asking, is it too early to kind of leave the Lamont Wade train? Um, yes, I think it's. I think it's way too early,
0: especially when a guy. You know, I mean, you think about um, like the way a baseball season works, where you let guys. Sort of work into it. There are always mm-hmm. slumps and whatnot. Evan mm-hmm. has now got his OPS yeah. up over 800. You know, like coming off of an injury, yeah. like you need you need time in order. To work your way into all of this. Um, I mean, number of at bats, like if I asked you, I don't know if you have it in front I of you. I know
1: exactly how many. You know how many at bats he's
0: got this year? He's basically got one week's worth of it. bats. He had 30 at bats. 30 at bats. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm yeah. not making any judgments on a guy on 30 at bats. I will tell you that when he comes to the plate, especially with what we've watched this year, Donovan Walton and whoever else the Mariners <laughs> farm system gave us, there's a presence. To Lamont Wade coming to the plate, as opposed to whoever Farhan yeah. grabbed for cash considerations last week, that makes me feel very comfortable as a Giants fan. I don't know if he's going to have the same year that he had last year. I don't know how you could. The guy yeah. had enough clutch hits to get a nickname. Yeah. But, uh, and a Willie Mack award, by the way. Yeah. But I still think Lamont Wade Jr. is a very, very good baseball player. And, uh, and we got to give him at least a hundred at bats before um, we can start
1: talking about that. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. I just seen a lot of people freaking out already. I'm like, dude, he's just got back. Can we, can we yeah. let him settle in a little? All right. Mikey Stremski had a monster may and batted over 300. He looked fantastic, pitting really well from uh, against righties and lefties. The splits look good. He felt like one of the few everyday players based off what they determined to be the criteria. And he's just been in a deep abyss over the the month of June. I mean, he's, his June has coincided with their swoon. And I think that we don't look at him like a table setter, but that's what he is for this team. He's also guys going to drive in runs. Not only is the bat falling off where he's like closer to 160 in the month of June, defensively, he just, I don't know. He made a couple of nice plays this week, but it does feel like he needs a couple of days off. You worried about Mike Um Maybe a touch. Maybe a
0: touch. Again, um, not only a couple nice defensive plays in that, in that uh, win over Detroit, he yeah. also had a very big two run hit yeah, in, in that out. game, yeah. but there's big no hit. doubt about it. I mean, if you think of Mike Stremski, a Giants fan is going to go, well, wow, he really popped in 2020 and in 2021, eh, yeah. not so great. His OPS in 2021 is exactly the same as it is right now in 2022, <sighs> but we talk about him. Yeah. Like he's having a great year he's essentially having the same year that he had last year. So look, Mike Kastrzemski, even in 2020, when he was doing his thing, um, I don't think we've ever gotten the feeling that he's like a star. No, He's a solid player though. So do I worry about him a little bit? Yeah, because he's very, very streaky. But by the same token, um, I know, I think, I know who Mike Kastrzemski is. Um, he's somebody who can hit li- lefties as well as righties. He plays pretty solid defense. He's an amazing teammate in clubhouse presence, and he's good enough. He's good enough to be in the role that 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 he's in. Is 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 what I would say. But the fact that it's tailed off as quickly as it has is,
1: um yeah, it gives a little concern for the second half of this year. Yeah. yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, one last one here. The, the guy who I was in love with, and I'm kind of frustrated, it's hard to defend him, Tyro Estrada. I'm looking at this guy right now. He's on pace for 500 at-bats. He might lead the team in at-bats this year because he's playing every day because he's not hurt. He's batting 180-something over his last two, three weeks. It has not looked good. I think he needs a couple of days off. Are you starting to think that maybe the magic is running out for Estrada and maybe the league is adjusted to him?
0: Um, that's possible. Um, I'm gonna hope that this is just a slump because his overall numbers are still solid enough. yeah um, and and again, you, you're you, you're never really looking for like lineup stability from your middle infield anyway. But then again, my my answer is with Brandon Crawford hurt and Tommy Lestella won't go out in the field. That's why he's leading the world. in at the bats, they have no choice right now. They have no choice right now, but to leave this guy out there every single
1: night, you, you got to think that will Wilson or one of these guys has yeah. got to make an appearance at some point in the next week or two. I mean, they, they need some reinforcements up the middle just merely to give some guys some days off here. They're, they're, they're dragging. And I think that they need a little bit of energy, a spark. And if you got to just fall, pull the lever and, and see, like we talked about Valar in the last episode, bring up somebody who, who can just give some of these guys a rest. Maybe Longoria plays a game at second base or or plays DH instead of Lastella. Like, let's try something unique.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think it'd be fun for the Giants to start getting a look at their young guys rather yeah. than pulling up these minor acquisitions uh, who who then don't perform. You know what I mean? Like Donovan yes. Walton, we keep bringing him up. It's like, eh. Like those at bats, it's just. I don't want to crush a guy, right? So I'd I mean, rather he... <laughs> I'd rather see a young guy yeah. who, who has a real future potentially get a look. Um, all right, with Joe Mark Willard, Garlic Fries, and Baseball guys, make sure you are subscribed, give us a rating, give us a review, we'd appreciate it. Share it with your friends and family. We've got two episodes a week coming at you every single week. Throughout the season
1: and a mailbag. If you want to get a question in there, leave it in the comment section. You can uh, tweet at us in our social media. Uh, I think it's at Garlic Fry Guys. Yep, absolutely. Mailbag episode twenty
0: coming up at the end of this weekend after the White Sox series. Okay, last thing, and that's Juan Soto. Mm. Um, let's dive into this game. He's probably become a topic when he shouldn't even be a topic. <laughs> but but Soto and Aaron Judge become. You know, they become topics because everybody is so thirsty mm-hmm. for a star. Both of us on our shows this week got what we felt like was a little bit of intel on Soto. Um, for me, you 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 had uh, the news from John Heyman that nothing is going to happen with this guy uh, right now because Washington is in, involved in an ownership change, mm. and moving a guy like that is an ownership move. So an outgoing owner is not going to trade Juan Soto. Uh, an incoming owner would have to do that. I don't know if the new owner is going to want to do that. But but the idea of Soto at the deadline, I think, is not going to happen. So we can let that one go. But the idea of Soto in the offseason is not necessarily off the table. You have to wait until that's a reality and a conversation. Um, I know a lot of Giants fans right now are discouraged enough to say, there's no way they'll do that. I think the Giants would show up with a blank check if they had an opportunity to acquire Juan Soto. I think he's
1: precisely the guy that Farhan Zaidi would pay. Yeah, I I mean, well, I'll get to that in one second regarding maintaining or retaining or acquiring a player to increase franchise value while a sale goes through. We saw this with Denver this year. Denver acquired talking about football, the Denver Broncos. They acquired Russell Wilson. And in part, obviously, they wanted to win because Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. They actually thought that that would make it a more desirable number for whoever would want to buy the team. Oh, not only am I buying the Denver Broncos. I get Russell Wilson yep. like that increases the value on the open market. So you're hundred percent spot on with that. And I had not considered any of that. I, I didn't even know that they were for sale. And that's a, that's a blind spot in my own game when it comes to the nationals. But here's a, a report today. And, and you talk about blank check. How about 425 million? because sources, and this is from Hector Gomez sources talks are intensifying between the nationals and Juan Soto. They've offered a second offer, essentially 13 years, 425 million dollars, which increases from their original 350 offer by 75 million. So wow. 425 over 13. Now it seems like funny money. It is funny money to us normal people, but in the world of baseball right now, in the world of sports, 13 years, 400. If Tom Brady's worth 10 for broadcasting over 375, maybe Hall of Famer Juan Soto is worth 450.
0: It, it feels like a fair offer, and you would wonder <laughs> why he wouldn't take that. And right. I know, like, calling that fair. People are like, fair? Like Unreal. I mean, if the Washington Nationals are under uh, ownership change, is it Soto who's going to buy them? I mean, <laughs> like, that, like, that is obviously – the absolute top of the market that baseball has ever seen. The only, my question I guess would be at that point is now you have to ask Juan, is that where you want to be? Yeah. Uh, because you, you, you're talking about a lifetime contract. Um, he's still in his early twenties. Um, but, but that's, that's what it's going to take. It's, it's, do you want to be a Washington national for your career? And based on what he's watched over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, I wonder, um, it'd be hard to turn that money down. Uh, we don't see players do that stuff very often, but if you're Juan Soto, what makes you tick? You know, you're, the money is going to be there. You've proven yourself as a top of the league talent. Um, are you willing to say, I want to be with the nationals for life when every really good star who's been around you in your career Mm. got sent out? Like, he was teammates last year with Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, and 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 they dumped him. They dumped him for prospects who may or may not work out. Like if I'm one right now, I'm looking at the Mets and I'm looking at the Braves, and I'm wondering, like, am I signing up for 13 years of losing?
1: Well, that's, it's just such a great point. And then let's think about some of the guys that, uh, that they don't have, which is their farm system. Like, look at the Nats farm system. Poorly, poorly rated. So from a business standpoint, it's probably better on the front end to, like, make the sale and keep this guy around. But, like, if you're trying to win games over the long haul, and if he wants to win – they're kind of mutually exclusive things here. Like they kind of need the prospects back to f- fulfill their pipeline. And I don't know if they're going to be able to surround a team around him. If they pay him all that money and they don't have the prospects, like they're kind of stuck in no man's land here. Yep. Well, well and one more
0: point on yeah. just the idea of star chasing here, there's yes. one thing I want to say to giants fans uh, because we get it and, yes. and, and we're no different. Like, yes, you'd love some players who are not only incredibly talented, but who you can really rally around who you can say, I'm not going to the bathroom because I want to see this at bat, all of that. But buyer beware. Um, I worked for years before getting to come back home to the Bay area, worked for years in Los Angeles. And I watched the Laker fan base do this, Mm. especially in the post Kobe Bryant era where it was, give me a star. Give me any star. They had a thing called hashtag future Laker, and they would write it next to every single star's name. In other words, we don't even care who the star is. Just bring us the star. Well, how's that going? Now, you could come back at me and say they won a championship. You know that I don't feel that bubble championships and pandemic championships equal regular championships, but – Uh, look, you got a chance to acquire LeBron James, you do. But I'm talking more also about the Russell Westbrooks of the world, the Carmelo Anthonys of the world. You can't just say, bring me a star, bring me any star. Maybe the Brooklyn Nets would be the better example. How's that going? Yeah. So if you're Farhan Zaidi, you got it, and I believe that he will. Mm -hmm. He knows that you got to go get a star. But Giants fans... It's not just going to be any star. It's not anyone available. Mm -hmm. Bring me because you've heard of him. It's got to be the right guy. It's got to be a guy who's at the right age, right contract, all of that. And then I firmly believe the Giants will spend. Juan Soto is totally that guy. Don't know if he's available. Well, Um, But somebody will be. I just want to caution everyone, though it should not just get me anyone out of right guy, right for
1: for the sake of him being a star. I mean, look, look, let's look at a couple aging guys right now: Albert Pujols. How'd that contract work out the last five, six years for the Angels, right? And they had a generational, maybe better than Mickey Mantle, center fielder in Mike Trout, and they couldn't do anything. Now, you need more to field around him. What about Miguel Cabrera, who we just saw this week? How have the last five, six seasons been with him? Now, here's the other guy who signed a 13-year deal with the Marlins and then gets traded to the Yankees, 38 home runs year one, and then – three and four home runs the following two years, 35 last year, having a good year this year. He's still got six, seven years left on that deal. Giancarlo Stanton. All right. And he already kind of feels somewhat old right now. So, and and he's flawed. He's not as good as Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto is a better overall baseball player than what's, what, what Stanton is right now. But the point being is, There is risk with these kinds of maneuvers. There is risk with an acquisition like this because, yeah, you might get the really good bulk until they're 29. What about 30 to 36? What about 30 to 39? What's it going to look like? Why do you think Chris Bryant's a Rocky? Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. By the way, Chris Bryant,
0: 75 at bats, 20 hits, no home runs, Mm. negative 0.4 war. $180 million and a star. Wow. So, wow. yeah, buyer wow. beware and, yeah. and Farhan, for example, deserves more credit For not making moves like that Agreed uh, then the criticism cool. he gets for some of the ones he has not made
1: Jock Peterson is the best $6 million value in baseball right now And might be Easy. the most effective of the free agents Correa's had a really good year for the Twins But in terms of outfielders, he has outperformed Nick, Nick Castellanos And Castellanos got a $100 million deal it's, it's, very, it's very plain and simple cannot
0: wait for the mailbag episode keep the questions coming we've been seeing the ones that have been coming in thank you we've got more coming in cannot wait to get to that episode 20 coming up this weekend after the series against the white Sox. make sure you rate review subscribe tell your friends and family Uh, along with joe shasky it's mark willard on garlic fries and baseball guys